So tonight we have the pleasure of hearing from someone who is a very good friend of mine. She, um, she um, is an incredible person and she, I have learned so much just being around her and um, seeing her go after the dreams in her heart. And um, she shared maybe um, several months ago about being comfortable in your own skin, and she is one who lives that out so well, and she's one of the most genuine, real, fun people you'd ever meet, and I'm so excited that she's going to share tonight. So welcome, Sarah Yang. Thank you. Thanks for all the support. It's fun, it's fun speaking here because it just feels like family, which is what I like. We are family, indeed. So uh, I just want to start off by thanking Blazing for just the opportunity to share. This is my heart. I just so love this place. I've never come here and not come out transformed. Are you guys in the same boat as me? I can come in here in the worst of moods and like, you know, I, I'm sure some of you have seen me like just hiding in the back, lying down and not wanting to be here. And then I'll leave just completely like, oh man, God is good. So uh, I also wanted to thank the intercessors and the worshipers. During worship, it was so powerful. I actually saw in the spirit, like, yeah, like I, I know you were praying for it, but I really saw like portals of angels like coming, ascending, and descending, like, on both sides, actually, like, I just, um, so I just feel like heaven's here, like, there's really, like, an open heaven. Um, also felt, uh, I got a couple words for some people, and one of the people is not here right now, so, hmm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe I can give it to somebody else. That's weird that he disappeared. Okay, um, I'm just making sure he's not here. If I, he just moves seats. Okay, maybe. Okay. Um, actually, I got a word for you. Uh, you're sitting next to Elizabeth Joy. Yes, you. Hi. Um, just feel like you are such a Mary, like in the spirit, and you really like to just sit at his feet and just be in his presence, and he loves that. And, you know, sometimes Martha's come along and say, hey, like, you need to be doing more. You got to go and, like, you know, get, get, get into gear and, and get busy. And I just feel like the Lord wants to tell you, just like, um, you know, when Martha was rebuking, Mary, you know, saying stuff about Mary, um, Jesus said, she chose the better things. She chose to be with me and just to sit at my feet. And just I feel like the Lord wants to confirm that to you, that that's who it's just part of your DNA. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Uh, okay, maybe I'll give that word to that guy because I felt it really strong. Um, okay. Okay, maybe I'll do a little bit more later. So every time I get invited to speak at Blazing, Right before I get invited, I have a dream for blazing, and it's really freaky. So it's like God letting me know I'm about to speak, so, and I don't know, you know, when they're going to ask me, but I had a dream on July 8th. Um, I was in a room full of, of Christians, and we were, like, somber and waiting on the Lord. And then, you know, after a while, we were just in this dark room, just sitting there, and finally, I got really annoyed, and I finally stood up and said aloud, Jesus is our righteousness. He finished it. Why are we trying to prove that we're good by just sitting here all somber so we don't do anything wrong? It's like we were paralyzed. Like, we didn't want to do anything. We, did, we just wanted to stay in this room because then, like, we won't make any mistakes. We won't do anything wrong. And then I said, he set us free so we could have fun, be our true selves, and be kids again. And as soon as I said that, it was like a spell broke over us and like, it was like the veil was lifted and we're like, yeah, why are we stuck in this room doing nothing? And then at that moment, 
um, we became like kids again. It was like this thing just fell off of us, and we stepped out of the room, and there was a carnival right outside the door. And then we went outside, and we just started having fun instead of just missing out trying to be holy and good. So the atmosphere shifted from religion into freedom, from heaviness into joy, from like being all super serious and somber into just childlikeness. So I just feel like that's something, um, when I woke up from that dream, I just felt, this is so true. I don't know if, about you guys, but that's been something that I've struggled with for a long time. Like me getting caught up with the lie that I'm not good enough, that I'm just not holy enough, that I got to somehow do more to please God and like become something that I'm not, like becoming something more, something better. Like do any of you guys relate? with that okay all right good I'm not alone and it's this trick that we have to be like these moral people all the time never do anything wrong and this is how we please God and this is how we have a relationship with God but I'm here to tell you that's not true it's actually all over scripture that that's not the way you sustain and have a relationship with God so I'm just going to go to This verse in Galatians, um, it's from the message. But it says, The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Just think about that. Like how many of us have been sucked into the moral program? I totally have. I've spent so many years trying to perfect myself by living according to this moral program that I, and it's our hearts are good. We want to please God. We want to have a real genuine relationship with God, but that's not the way it works. It's simply the fact that we just trust that he's our righteousness. That's it. This is the same point in another way said, convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting the Messiah, not by trying to be good. I like keep coming back to this because I got sucked into like a lot of self-help and self-improvement stuff for a really long time. Like I was constantly... Like, how can I better myself? How can I be a better person? All this stuff. It's not a bad desire. But when it's like you're, it's rooted in like you feeling like you're not good enough before God. Have any of you guys experienced this? I love like recently Chris Valentin posted on his Facebook Some people have made cross-carrying a career opportunity instead of a one-day journey. How many of you guys have spent a ton of time punishing yourself for your past? We're punishing ourselves for something that God already took care of. This is the way that David Crabtree put it. Christianity starts where every other religion aspires to end, at holiness and enlightenment. Christianity starts where every other religion aspires to end, at holiness and enlightenment. Just turn to the person next to you and say, and you are holy and you are enlightened. Is that true? Jesus, help us to get this, God. I'm going to pray right now because I I feel like this is something that the enemy has so tried to trick us about, and I've fallen into this trap over and over again. Jesus, we thank you, God, that when you died on the cross... And you said it is finished. 
You made us right and holy before you. We have nothing to prove. We are enough. I just speak to every lie that we are not enough, that we lack, that we're not good enough, and I just say go in Jesus' name right now. I thank you that you came to just set us free so we can be kids again, that we get to have fun and play and just be kids. Jesus, help us. Help us to know the truth and for the truth to set us free. I want to look at another scripture. This is from Romans 3, 21 through 24. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God did it for us. There's nothing left for me to do to become more holy. Do you believe that? There's nothing more left for me to do to become more righteous. Imagine if you believe that, that you already crossed the finish line, that you have nothing left to prove. Think about that. If you believe right now, there's nothing left for you to try to change about yourself. God is doing it for you. A gift is not earned in any way. It's not in any way deserved. If I gave you a gift and you somehow earned it or you somehow deserved it, it's no longer really a gift. I'm paying you. God's not paying us with righteousness. He gave it to us. He freely gave it to us. That's grace. That's the definition of grace. There's no strings attached to this. If there were strings attached, it would not be a gift. And it would not be love anymore because love is not self-seeking. God gave us his righteousness with no strings attached. That's crazy. (laughs) We're in right standing with God right now and it's a pure gift and we can't do a darn thing about it. And we can't change his mind about it. He already did it. And he got us out of the mess we're in. Oh my goodness, that's so crazy. How many of you feel like you're in a mess right now? It says according to scripture, you're out of the mess. He's taken you out of the mess we're in and restored us to all where he always wanted us to be. Where did he want us to be? Where did he want us to be? With him. He wanted us to just be with him. That's where we are right now. The truth of God's word is right now, every single one of you is with God. You're one with God, actually, according to scripture, and you can't get away from him. That's the lie. The enemy has it it about that we're separate from God, but there is no separation. We're one with him right now. We can't get any more closer to him. We are one with him. He already restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and that's with him, in him. We're already there. 
So the million-dollar question for all of us then is: If we already crossed the finish line, if we are already righteous before God, we're already out of the mess that we were in. We're already restored to where He always wanted to, us to be in Christ. What would you do right now if you believe that? If you had nothing to prove, if you knew you were enough, if you weren't busy trying to improve or prove yourself to anybody, if you weren't waking up every morning, setting the bar super high, and saying, "Okay, Jesus, I'm going to do all this stuff for you today, so I can measure up to." To what you did for me on the cross, we already crossed the finish line. So, what comes to mind if you aren't busy trying to prove yourself to God? I'll tell you what came to mind for me:、uh, going to Hawaii. <laughs> I yeah, I did. I wanted to go to Hawaii. That was like a dream of mine, but I always put it off because I'm like, no, I I, I want to spend the money doing things for other people, or I don't deserve that. Like, there's more needy people out there. I want to ask you just right now: close your eyes and and if you believe that you are completely righteous right now. Because according to First Corinthians one thirty, it says Jesus is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. If you have believed, you are already redeemed. You are already holy. You are already righteous. Go ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about what you would want to do. For some of you, it might be cooking. You want to cook, <laughs> something simple like that, or you like making things beautiful. You like interior design. It might be something kooky, like I want to become a comic. I want to be a comedian. This is good. You're getting in touch with the desires of your heart. Did you know that perfection in Hebrew means being your true self? A lot of us have been taught that perfection means that you do every single thing right, but in the Hebrew, perfection—you being your perfect self—is you being your true self. It's the real. Us with the real him—that's perfection. Have you ever wondered what glory is? I know we use that word a lot, glory. It's actually the true nature of someone or something. In Exodus 33, Moses asked God to show him His glory. Right? He said to God, "Show me Your glory." And God responded by saying, "I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will declare my name." The true nature of God is good. So, what is your glory? Your glory is your true nature. You being your authentic self. We've heard some of this, like Susan、um, and Russ talk about, like living out of the core of your being. You're being your true self. We're create. We're created in the image of God. And when we're being our true selves, living from our true nature, we're revealing our glory.
I think we've grown up like religion tells us that our hearts are not good and that our desires are evil. But actually, according to scripture, your heart is good and your desires are good. I'm about to prove it to you right now. It says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Why would God give you desires if they were not good? And why would he give it to something that wasn't good? God gives to things that are good and God fulfills things that are good. So that means your heart is good and your desires are good. Just say to your heart right now, you're good. And what you desire is good. Let's look at another scripture. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Your heart isn't only good, it is the wellspring of life. Do you know what wellspring means? It means, thank you, thank you. It means the original and bountiful source. Where is the original and bountiful source of life? Point right here. This is the original and bountiful source of life according to scripture. Your heart. It's why the enemy is so set on convincing you that your heart is bad and evil and to be ignored and neglected and its desires are evil and bad and to be ignored and shamed. Because it's actually the key to your glory. It's your true nature. It's the core of your being. As I mentioned, I went through a lot of, I was super religious. Like, I mean, not to brag, but I did three 40-day fasts in one year. Like, that's how religious I was. Not, not to say fasting's bad, okay? But I'm just saying for me, I was really caught up on the whole moral program thing where I was trying to prove to God that, you know, I'm good, I'm enough, I'm, I'm, I love you, I want to please you, I want to become whoever you want me to be to, in order to please you. And thankfully, I found blazing fire. <laughs> and, and Russ and Susan kept asking me, you know, as I was just like, oh, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? I'll do anything for him. I'll fast. I'll go to Africa. I'll do whatever, you know? And he, they would ask me, what makes your heart come alive? And I'm like, that's not the right question. I'm telling you, what, do you, what am I supposed to do with my life? And he's What's life-giving to you? And after almost a year of them asking this question and me not knowing the answer, I'm like, I have blank slate. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I would want to do with my life. But eventually I just started thinking like of Hawaii and I was like, okay, all right, I can't get this out of my system. So I flew to Hawaii, just first time ever, and I came so alive. Like, I was like thriving. I was like fully Sarah. You know, my glory was being revealed. It's true. I mean, it was freaky because people were being attracted to me in ways that I just was like, this is weird. And so by the fourth day, actually the third day, this woman asked me to move to Hawaii and become like her best friend. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, it was just weird because people are attracted to people who have come alive and who are thriving and fully themselves. So anyway, by the fourth day, I was in Hilo. And the moment I got to the Airbnb, this guy came out and he's like this 18-year-old kid. He's like, hey, what's up? 
what's up? And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll, hey, what's up? How, how, you know, how's it going? He's like, hey, so where are you from? I'm like, I'm from California. And then he's like, ah, oh, you know, making some chit chat. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, so what are you up to tomorrow? And I'm like, uh, I was going to go check out the park, you know, the volcanic park. He's like, oh, how weird. My friend and I were planning to go there too. We should go together. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I was really kind of like, I mean, I felt not so good about it. My heart was kind of like got a check. But I was like, oh, I'm a Christian. I should be a good witness. I should help him out. Yeah. And so I said yes. And so I drove, they didn't have a car. I drove all of us to the park and I spent the day hiking with these guys, right? And I was like getting ridiculously annoyed with them, okay? I was just like, these guys are so annoying. And I could feel like my energy level just dropping. Like this thriving became like this, okay? Like my flower that was blossoming, which is like, by the end of the day, I was like this, okay? And I was just like, and then, you know, like, and then I was like, I got to get away from these guys. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to just drop you guys off in the city and I, in town and I'm going to go do my own thing. They're like, oh, come on. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, and so, like, and so I was like, see you guys. And then I took off and did my own thing. And the whole day, I just felt slimy for the rest of the day. I'm like, ah, that was not fun. And my heart was like, that was not cool. And I, I went to, to sleep, and um, we were staying at this, like, really beautiful rainforest-like house. And I woke up the next morning, and I felt God, he was, like, giving me a vision. And it was really cool, because I was in the middle of a rainforest, and it was, like, raining outside, so it was, like, and this is the vision that God showed me. He showed me a tree. This is, like, kind of... But he showed me this crazy, amazing tree. And he said, this is you, Sarah. And he said, the trunk of the tree is the core of your being, your true self. And the roots are the desires of your heart. And the soil is my love. Right? Scripture says we're rooted and grounded in love. So my desires were being rooted and grounded in his love, and it was nourishing me, and it was causing my leaves and to grow and flourish and for me to bear fruit. And fruit is what I create with his life and love. It's like my actions, my talents, my words, my presence. So here I am, just enjoying, like, his love coming from my root system, and his sunlight is like life, just causing me to flourish. Well, when we believe that we lack, it's actually the original lie that Satan tempted Eve with. What did Satan say to Eve? Did God really say that if you ate from this tree, you would surely die? And then Satan said, he doesn't want you to eat from it because he knows you will become like God. That was the original lie that Adam and Eve lacked something. Because the truth was they were already like God. But the moment you believe that you are not something, what are you going to try to do? Become it. So, if you... <laughs> Oh, thanks. Okay. Uh, water bottle. All right. Let me get some water. Speaking of trees. So when we believe 
that we lack something that we truly are, we will go after it. What the Lord showed me what was going on with these lovely men (laughs) is that just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they believed they lacked something that they knew they were supposed to be. They saw it in me. They saw the tree, the oak of righteousness, that they are, but believe that they were not. And therefore, they're going to try to grab onto it. And explain why on the trip, like really, you know, the last, so that that Airbnb place was where those two guys like latched onto me. And then the first Airbnb place, my host is the one who asked me to move to Hawaii and become her best friend. And I didn't understand what was going on, but basically this vision was showing me, you're showing them what they were always meant to be, and they believe the lie that they aren't that, so they're going to try to cling on to you. So that's what we do when we believe the lie, is that, we start getting into other people's root systems. And we start trying to pull from them the life that we see. Because we believe that we don't have it. I see it in you, but I don't see it in me. So I'm going to come into your root system. Yeah, exactly. It's a parasite. And the sad thing is, is that we're not parasites, but we act like parasites when we believe the original lie that Satan tricked Adam and Eve about. We believe that we lack. Have you ever noticed when you don't believe you're courageous, you cling on to courageous people? But the truth is, we're all that. That's not just Sarah, that's every single one of you guys in this room. We are all oaks of righteousness. We all have our own soil. Thanks. You guys are so funny. You guys are so funny. That's what we're doing, right? When we have this belief that we lack, we manipulate our ways into other people's soil so that, you know, of people who we see who are prospering, and we try to steal their nutrients and water. Give me some of that. <laughs> and we behave like weeds when we're actually trees. We don't need to behave like weeds anymore. I'm not shaming you guys. I acted like a weed for a very long time. <laughs> we're all oaks of righteousness. And the truth according to scripture is that we lack No good thing. Every single one of us has the same access to the same soil of his love. But the decision we need to make is are we going to try to steal someone else's soil? Are we going to develop our own soil? We're going to connect with his love in our own relationship with God. So what I call this, the original lie, is a poverty mentality. It's the belief that you lack something that you actually have, and therefore you go after it in somebody else. And this is the birthplace of comparison, of complaining, oh, why don't I have that? You actually do. Everything I have, you guys have. And actually, I'll take it one step further. Scripture says, the father said to the elder son, everything I have is yours. So not only do you guys have access to everything I have access to, you have access to everything that God has access to. What in the crazies? Think about that. I have access to everything that God possesses. That's what the father said to the older son, right? In the parable of the prodigal son. Everything I have is yours. 
We're all sons and daughters, correct? Do we have possession and access to everything that God has access to? Our Father. So why are we acting like weeds? Because we believe that lie. And therefore, that's why we manipulate others through obligation, guilt, and fear. And that's what these guys were doing. They had a poverty mentality, and they were using obligation, guilt, and fear. Come on! I have some really good stuff for you that I tell myself. Never do things out of obligation but desire. Otherwise, it will backfire. (laughs) You want me to say it again? I love that. Never do things out of obligation but desire. Otherwise, it will backfire. We're not to be pushed around by fear and guilt, but driven by the fuel of love and desire. The power comes through your desires, your root system in his love. And as we get those nutrients from our relationship, our connection with this love, we prosper. We bear fruit. I want to hit on this obligation because it's a big one, especially among Christians, because we easily get pushed around with guilt and fear and shame. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. If there's someone in need, I would challenge you to say, if you don't want to help them, to ask God, give me the desire to help them. Because otherwise, I don't know if you've ever helped somebody that you didn't want to help, what do you start feeling towards them? Resentment. (laughs) And that is not love. And you just like, I got so resentful towards these guys. And when I was trying to witness to them, and help them and love them, all I could feel towards them was resentment because God never asked me to do it. We have to honor our hearts. Scripture designed, I mean, God designed us to live from our hearts out of desire, not out of obligation, compulsion. For years, I neglected my own heart to meet other people's needs and desires and expectations because I thought that's what love looks like because I grew up in a family that that's what love looks like. I put myself on the shelf to do whatever you want me to do. But do you know that's not really helping them? Because they will never develop their own root system as long as I keep letting them into my soil. And they're sucking me dry, and they are never getting and becoming the oak of righteousness they were created to be. Because you can only become the oak of righteousness you were created to be in your own soil, rooted and grounded in his love for yourself. No one else can do this for you. The greatest gift I can give this world is for me to flourish and thrive with life. That's the greatest gift of love I can give every single one of you guys. Why? Because once I become like that, I will provide shade to you. I will provide fruit to you from my relationship with God. And you get to taste of the beautiful relationship of God I have. but you can't touch my soil. (laughs) And I kept letting people steal nutrients from my soil for a long time, and I kept getting burnt out. What happens when you remove water and nutrients from the soil? It 
the tree starts to die. Has your heart felt dead? Could it be because we're letting people steal from our root system? Or could it be that we haven't been tapping into our own root system of his love? No one else can do this for you. As much as I would love for Pastor Brett and Susan and Russ to like, you know, go up the mountain and hear God for me and then come back down the mountain and tell me what they said, what God said, which is what the Israelites did, right? God wants to do that with every single one of us. He wants what? We looked at that scripture. He restored us to where he always wanted us to be, which is with him, rooted and grounded in his love for ourselves. Some of you might get tricked into the thinking of, well, God will do it for me. (laughs) But do you know what God commanded Adam and Eve when he put them in the garden? Do you guys remember? What? Be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. He also said, tend and watch over the garden. Do you know where the garden is right now? What are we to tend and watch over? Our hearts. Our hearts are the garden. And when we tend and watch over it, and we, above all else, guard our hearts, the wellspring of life, the tree of life begins to flourish. God commanded Adam and Eve and all of us to tend and watch over the garden, the tree of life. What is the tree of life? Well, Proverbs 13, 12 says, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now we go back to desire. Why are desires so important? Do you see the circle of life right now? (laughs) Desire, your heart, life, his love. It's this beautiful circle of life and productivity. It's time to fulfill the God-given desires of our heart. And that's how the tree of life in our lives will flourish and provide the fruit and the shade the world is looking for. Sean Bowles recently posted, it's funny, I was working on this message and I just kept seeing in my Facebook feed confirmations after confirmations. He said, it's time to do everything that has ever been in your heart. Are you guys following me? Why your heart is so important, why your desires are so important? I actually believe that God imprinted in us our desires, our God-given desires. Do you understand the difference between sinful desires and God-given desires, correct? You guys understand that I'm speaking about the God-given desires. I mean, that's the whole thing. Satan mixes this whole thing up and says all desires are bad. But that's actually Buddhist. That's actually a Buddhist belief that all desires are evil and and to be gotten rid of. If we were meant to have no desires, then why would scripture say things like, in his presence there's fullness of joy, at your right hand there's pleasures forevermore. We were made to desire pleasure. We were made to desire joy and enjoyment.
So I believe our hearts are implanted with desires that are a roadmap to our destiny. So just imagine right now, your, your, your heart and your root systems are the desires, and this root system inside of your desires is a roadmap straight to your destiny, straight to who you're created to be. Follow your heart, it knows the way. That's why when I get a check in my heart, I'm starting to pay attention. Like even though it sounds like a good thing to help somebody or to do this or to you know, do that, if my heart's not in it, I'll talk to God about it. Hey God, my heart's not in this. If you want me to do this, please give me the desire to do it because I don't want to do it under compulsion. I don't want to get resentful towards anybody. So in 2014, I made a list of everything that my heart desired. And I did them. Every month in 2014, I did what, whatever was in my heart to do. So I spent the first month snowmobiling, because I've always wanted a snowmobile. I know, it sounds funny. Second month, I just, you know, I always wanted to learn how to paint. So thankfully, my roommate actually knew how to paint. She taught me. Third month, I always wanted to learn how to motorcycle. So I took motorcycle cycling lessons. The fourth month, I did a drum circle. My sister asked me to teach some uh, elementary school students um, at my niece's school how to drum. And so I did a drum circle with them. I love drum circles. The next month, I learned how to uh, do glass blowing. Thanks. Thanks. This, you're looking at the fruit of my heart right now. And the, that picture is of me spelunking, spelunking in Pinnacles Park. These are things that I always wanted to do, but I was too busy being holy. <laughs> I was too busy being stuck in my room, not wanting to do anything wrong. And thanks to Russ and Susan and other people here at Blazing who kept telling me, what makes you come alive? Go do that. Have fun, play, be a kid. Do what you enjoy, what makes you come alive. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I'm proof that this works because, like, I, I mean, people are attracted to me, not, you know, it's because they see life in me. They see love in me. They see that I am alive. And they want that. I mean, what's more convincing? For me to beat people over a head with a sermon or people seeing me full of life? So the most awesome thing that I've discovered recently on my every month I'm going to do something I've never done before but always wanted to do is I started taking improv classes. Do you guys know what improv is? Yeah, like get up and just like make up a story on the spot. And I've been doing this for the past year. And I'm telling you, I love it so much. It's so me. Like, I love make-believe, I love imagination, I love storytelling, I love authenticity. And I love making people laugh. And like, I love being in the moment, I love being spontaneous. So, that's what I've been doing for the last year. I've been doing improv. I've been performing at made-up theater in Fremont. I've never done this before, but I've only been doing it for the last year, and I'm telling you, like, it's so cool how I am sharing and displaying God and his love and my glory through improv. Wow. 
And when you look at the rules of improv, it's hilarious to me. Okay, so here are the rules of improv. The first rule is yes and, meaning you take what is given to you and you add to it. You make something from it. Second, there's no right or wrong. Stop judging. Don't judge yourself and don't judge others. Just be. Third, make others look good. Make everyone around you look good. Four, listen carefully. Listen before you speak. Five, be in the moment. And six, have fun. What was told to me through hundreds of sermons, I'm having to live every single moment I'm on the stage of improv. There's no right or wrong. Do not judge lest you be judged. Make others look good. Consider others more important than yourselves. Philippians 2, 3. Listen carefully. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. James 1, 19. Be in the moment. Matthew 6, 34. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up with when the time comes. Have fun. Matthew 18, 3. Unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom. I'm living the kingdom on stage through improv. And you can do that too with whatever makes your heart come alive. That is the kingdom. The kingdom is advanced when you are walking out of the core of your being, living out of the core of your being, being fully alive, living from your heart's desires. And you prospering and your fruit is just dropping like crazy and you're providing shade to so many people because your leaves are prospering and flourishing so much. I provide shade and fruit to everyone through improv. What is your improv? What is your thing? And it might change. I'm, I'm just doing improv right now and I love it. But maybe next year I'm going to really love cooking and people when they eat of my food, they'll be like, life will be given to them through my food. Actually, I know a guy who's anointed to cook. No joke. Like he lives in Singapore and the, the man is anointed. He's had so much influence through his cooking. He's actually a teacher in the Cordon Bleu in Singapore. And I mean, he loves God and he's just, and that's how God is advancing the kingdom through his love for cooking. And he's had influence over, you know, um, high level authority and governmental figures because of his cooking. I want to just break this whole thing that tells us that, you know, serving God and loving God looks like just preaching or just, you know, um, whatever you might have thought, like, it just looks like worship. Even all this stuff is great and awesome. But how in the world will the world know if we're just doing it in here, in that dark room in my dream, hiding away, trying not to do anything wrong? And we never step out and be who we truly are and live from the glory, from our true selves, our true nature. Follow your heart. It knows the way. God gave you desires that are a roadmap to your destiny. You know, the more I do improv, the more I realize how important it is what I'm doing. I ran across these two quotes. The first is from Anthony DeMello. He's actually... Um, He's a, date, uh, uh, a monk, and he said, the shortest distance between a human being and the truth is a story. Storytelling is the best way to get the truth across to somebody. How do I know that? Because Jesus spoke in parables. 
That's why I love telling stories. I love movies. How many of you guys love movies? I, movies will transform me more, like, you know, I'm not downing sermons, but like I'm telling you, when I watch a movie, I'm transformed. Like the Matrix transformed me. <laughs> it did. It's like the truth became real for me. And then Victor Borge, he's a comedian, he said, laughter is the shortest distance between two people. So what am I doing through improv? I'm, I'm telling people the truth to people's hearts through a funny story. And it's the shortest distance to their heart and the truth. I got asked to speak at this huge conference like, of like 35 to 5,500 people. Uh, it's a technology and arts conference in New Orleans. And when they interviewed me, they, did, they wanted to do like a promo video with me. I, I shot it in my room. And you know, I'm just being myself, you know, talking about improv, talking about like how I love storytelling and I love like just connecting with people. And the guy said to me after the interview, because he saw a sign in my room that said, it is well with your soul. And he said to me, it is well with your soul. <laughs> People know genuine joy and contentment, and it's better than a thousand sermons. I love Maya Angelou. She said, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So how are you making people feel around you? I guarantee you, if you are thriving and doing what you love, you are making them feel God. You're making him feel his love. You're making them feel his life. That's what that guy felt when he was, you know, after the interview, he's like, it is well with your soul. I feel that. I want some of that. I want that life. I want that love. It's making people come alive. So that's my invitation to all of you guys. The world depends on the small beating of your heart for a life of meaning. What is your heart beating for? What makes your heart beat faster? I'm not scared of you finding and discovering your purpose because according to scripture, everything finds its purpose in him. So when you're searching for your purpose, you will ultimately end up in him. That's what Colossians 1 and 17 says. Everything finds its purpose in him. So it's time. Time to tend to your own heart. No one can do this for you, not even God, because God commanded us to do it. Tap into your own root system of his love. Fulfill the God-given desires of your heart and guard your heart by saying no to other people's root systems coming into yours. And we will be oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. All of us will reveal the glory of God. All right. You guys okay? Okay. I think I'm supposed to be done. All right. Let me pray. Jesus, help us to tend to the garden of our hearts. Help us to tap into your root system, your love. Help us to discover and fulfill the God-given desires of our hearts. Help us know when to say no 
and when to say yes, and what does it look like to have healthy boundaries? Lord, help us to treasure our hearts the way that you treasure it. You treasured it so much you died for our hearts. So help us to take care of it and love it well. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.